Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. The FT. Hello, and welcome to Hard Currency, the FT's weekly Forex podcast, taking a hard look at what's driving the world's largest financial market. I'm Delphine Strauss, the FT's currencies correspondent, and I'll be talking you through the market trends for the coming week with the help of my special guest, Derek Halpany, European Head of Global Market Research at the Bank of Tokyo Mitsubishi. Derek, let's start with the dollar, which has hit an eight-month low this week, not just because of the US government shutdown and the continuing stalemate in budget talks, but perhaps also because business surveys released in the Eurozone, China and the UK have come out very strong, boosting other major currencies against the greenback. If anything, the surprise is that the forex markets haven't seen more turbulence and risk aversion this week. Investors seem to be focusing on the fact that the political impasse and the delay in the release of crucial US jobs data makes the Federal Reserve even less likely to start withdrawing its stimulus anytime soon. But the US Treasury is now warning that if there isn't a deal on the debt ceiling by mid-October, the value of the dollar could plummet. Do you think the forex markets will stay this calm if the stalemate drags on into next week? Uh, no, I think certainly there are increasing risks that the, the relative calm that we've had of late um, could definitely change. There are some similarities that the markets are focus, focusing on in terms of what happened in 2011, and there was a degree of calm right up to a couple of days prior to the 2nd of August 2011 deadline, and then that's when we had some volatility. But I think one of the key differences this time around is that maybe the markets are beginning to understand that the, the differences between the Democrats and the Republicans are uh, appear a lot greater and a lot more ideological, uh, and therefore there could be um, a greater risk that we get right up to the 17th of October, and even perhaps a day or two beyond that. Um, and in that sense, I think uh, the, the, the FX markets and the markets more generally next week could start to focus on that and, and become more concerned about those risks. Which currencies stand to benefit most from haven flows, if that's the case next week? Well, that's an interesting question, and I, I wouldn't describe the Japanese yen as necessarily a safe haven currency, but when I look to next week, uh, I, I do fear, given that we have a yen bearish forecast, I, I do fear that perhaps the yen could be ripe for another move to the upside, and uh, in other words, dollar yen could move to the lower side, and perhaps test the the August lows of, of around 95.80. Partly the reason on that is is more related to positioning than the yen being a safe haven currency as such. When you look across the, the IMM positioning data, the dollar has undergone some considerable adjustments, but the one currency pair where there's been very little adjustment and there are still substantial long dollar positions is in dollar-yen. And there's nothing really on the horizon over the coming weeks in regard to Abenomics that could encourage the markets to maintain those substantial yen short positions. So if the focus shifts to Washington, um, perhaps dollar yen is, is where we get a large move to the downside. And what would you expect the impact on emerging markets FX to be? 
Well, again, that's where I think the performance of the dollar more generally going into this deadline on the 17th of October is going to be more mixed and certainly different to, to 2011. For example, in 2011, we had still very, well, pretty good, strong growth in a lot of emerging market economies, and China was still relatively strong, although it was slowing. Um, and in that sense, the emerging market space back in 2011 did quite well. But of course, we've just come out of a period of volatility um, in FX emerging markets through the summertime. Um, we also have a clear trend of decelerating growth. Um, and I certainly think that's where the dollar could actually do well. Um, if we go into a period of risk aversion, uh, we could see certainly another substantial sell-off in emerging market currencies versus the dollar. Let's look now at the euro, which has surprised many people in the market by its resilience over the last few months and has been trading at an eight-month high this week. That was partly a relief rally after Italy's government survived a vote of confidence, but investors have also been influenced by the comments on Wednesday by Mario Draghi, the ECB president, who showed no concern at the euro's strength and indeed underlined that the ECB doesn't target exchange rates. Derek, how much higher could the euro go? And can the ECB stay this relaxed if it carries on strengthening? Yeah, certainly the comments from Draghi were a little bit surprising. I thought he would be more dovish. I thought he would perhaps be more vocal in terms of um, expressing concerns about the euro. And, and you're right, he, he didn't do that. But I think certainly when he spoke in the press conference, he did still link euro movements to the assessment of inflation risks. So in other words, if euro dollar continues to move higher, that certainly opens up the prospects for greater rhetoric about the potential of inflation risks going to the downside, which could, of course, signal to the markets that they could, could cut rates. So I do think a test and possibly a breach of the 2013 high is, is quite feasible. That's 137.11 from February. Um, a breach of there gets us obviously up quite quickly to 138, and perhaps then the market starts to look at 140. I think that's when the, the ECB perhaps then uh, starts to express some concerns. But given what's happening in the United States, you have to at least look at the prospect of perhaps a, a breach of the 2013 highs and a move beyond 138. And what will the next catalyst be for investors to change their stance? In terms of euro dollar, uh, well, obviously two things. One would be that we, we clearly don't get a default in the United States. Um, if we do, you know, certainly I think um, the euro would be the safe haven currency of choice because simply on a liquidity situation, it's the most favourable. But assuming we get through this at some point in October and then the damage to the US economy isn't seen as great. And if the markets then gradually start to move back to the fundamentals, then I think, you know, the, the prospects for the for the euro dollar rate to the downside become much greater again. We still think the ECB has to do more. Um, now, admittedly, Draghi didn't really hint at that this week. But the the situation is such that I think the, the inflation risks truly are to the downside. They're not telling us that at the moment. But the forecast for inflation next year is 1.3%. 1, 1. Does that fit with price stability as defined by the ECB, which is close to but below 2%, I don't think so. So I think they're very close to, to doing something. And that could be the catalyst for when the markets begin to, to realise that euro dollar up at 140 is simply not justified on a fundamental basis. Finally, let's take a quick look at Japan. The government confirmed this week that it will increase the sales tax as planned. And the Bank of Japan although it's expected to keep monetary policy on hold this month, has made it clear that it will consider further easing if it sees the effects of the tax coming through. This is all reinforcing a widely held view that the yen's weakness is set to continue in the medium term. 
How do you see this affecting the behaviour of Japanese investors? The whole issue of Abenomics is definitely at the forefront of, of Japanese investors. What I would say, though, is that the easy trade, if you like, in terms of Abenomics is, is over. And that, of course, was the, the important of the three arrows. The, the key one was, was BOJ policy. So we've had the big devaluation of the yen in regard to that. The third arrow is, is now the focus, and that's much, much more difficult for the markets to judge the success or failure of. Um, there will be moments like the announcement of the sales tax, perhaps some progress on the TPP trade negotiations, some labour market reform steps if they are taken. Those would be the type of signals that would suggest that Abenomics can proceed. And if that helps to support inflation expectations, in circumstances of international markets becoming more stable, uh, encouraging risk appetite, that eventually should start to see retail outflows emerge from Japan in greater amounts than what we're seeing at the moment. And that would certainly be a, a good signal for non-Japanese investors that with these retail outflows growing, that the obvious funding currency of choice is the Japanese yen. And, and that's when we should start to see a clearer trend of yen weakness develop. But in circumstances of what's happening, obviously, at the moment in the United States and uh, the, the uncertainty in the markets, uh, clearly those retail flows aren't in mm -hmm. existence at the moment. OK, Derek Halpenny at the Bank of Tokyo Mitsubishi. Thank you very much. That's it from us this week. Hard Currency will be back next week. But until then, you can read up-to-date FX news and analysis on our website, ft.com slash FX. Goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's Corient.com. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.